welcome back to Choose That Dobbses. This week's episode is sponsored by Excel Moto. It's the one-stop shop for all things biking related. Whether you're on the hunt for biking gear, parts for your bike or service equipment, they are the one place you can go and have a very good chance of getting everything you need. All of the details in the written description below. Let me start off today with a story about a gentleman who's currently touring around Africa, not on the kind of bike that you may expect. I'll put the pictures of the bike of choice up now as I discuss. This is from Pat. Freddie, I'm currently in Uganda, touring around Africa. I have toured through Kenya, Uganda and Rwanda on this little 150cc Vespa. It's basically standard apart from more aggressive tires and stronger rear suspension. Not even a puncture and totally reliable. I change the oil and filters every 500 kilometers. Pat, that looks like the adventure of a lifetime and it shows that any vehicle can do almost anything and really nowadays vehicles are so well built you need to do very, very little modification to get them to where you want to go. You really do pamper it though, every 500 kilometers. Oil and filters. That's the kind of bike that will go on forever with that kind of pampering. Pat, happy travels. I move on. Expensive bikes and residuals. Have a listen to this from Tony in Cornwall. Freddie, it seems that selling high-end bikes, uh, sorry, Freddie, it seems that selling high-end price used bikes is not easy. During the last month, I've had my 2018 Indian Chieftain Limited on the market using MCN, Autotrader, and Facebook Marketplace. This bike is in its new version, uh, or this bike in its new version, is just under 30,000 pounds. So you would think that 15,500 pounds, with only 15,000 miles on the clock and a full service history, along with 12 months MOT, would surely attract some interest. No, not a single inquiry in two months so far. The question has to be why? Well, there may be a number of reasons for this and talking to fellow bikers also trying to move their machines on, it appears that the reason might be, for one, possibly no warranty. The purchaser has no guarantee. The state of economy, People who normally buy these kinds of bikes, usually cruisers, are a dying breed. The people whom money isn't an issue, or that these bikes are being purchased on finance, something that isn't offered by private sellers. To offer the bike to a dealership would mean a much lower price and then generally they would offer it at the price that you, the private seller, wanted in the first place. Judging by recent comments on Facebook, it appears I'm just one of many facing this problem. Do I give the bike away or keep a bike that I really need to move on? Cheers, Tony. Uh, Tony, this is a really tricky one. I had a look at this just to get an idea. And I had a look at a bike that is is similar to an extent, and that's the Harley-Davidson CVO. And the reason I had a look at this to try and help you out here, if I can help you out, is that the CVO sells in bigger numbers. So I can just give more, 
give a more informed decision because there are more CBOs on the market than the big Indian chieftains, which are still seriously rare bikes. Harley-Davidson CVO, Tony, £38,000 brand new. This is the big Harley. I'll put a picture up. Big Harley, fully kitted up, panniered up. It now can be bought, 2019 model, for £20,000. That means it's £18,000 cheaper than buying brand new. However, in 2019, this Harley-Davidson CVO would have been £32,000, meaning your real loss in the past four years, if you bought a CVO, would be £12,000 in the past four years or so. So that is, in essence, around about similar. Maybe, let's say you've lost £14,000, Tony, but maybe this would be about £12,000. So, if I have a look at Harley-Davidson CVO residuals, I know that a 2019 model is 32, oh, I know that a 2019 model is £20,000. But if I push back a bit and go for a 2015 model, you're looking usually at around about the £15,000 mark. Let's say the cheapest one available, even with decently high mileage, absolute minimum you're going to get one for is £10,000. And the reason I say this, every motorbike has its rock bottom price. The American cruisers, for example, usually, so long as they're in good condition, you can fairly safely bank on the fact that for these big ones, you're going to keep in the, the ballpark figure of 10 to 12,000 pounds as a bottom out price. Now for my Bonneville, for example, the bottom out price of that is give or take four grand. They bottom out at four grand and that's a common place where a lot of bikes will bottom out. So I know that once I get to around about that mark, Tony, it doesn't matter if I sell it now or keep it another four years, it's going to keep that value at four grand. So my guess to you is, you would be around about £3,000 or so away from the absolute bottom out mark. So you're not too far away from that. So I wouldn't say that you, you have to be a completely forced seller at this point because so much of the value's dropped, it's not going to drop too much further. But it's how willing you are to hold on to it. How important is that gap between your £15,500 and the bottom out price of, let's say, around about twelve grand in four to five years' time that it may drop down to? If you can stomach losing that extra bit of cash, I would say just sell it now, move on to the next bit because there's nothing worse. And I know it, Tony, there's nothing worse than holding on to a vehicle that you don't absolutely want or you've got niggling feelings that you want to get rid of. I would say just be shot of it and look back at many, many happy miles because you've done some proper mileage on that 15,000. If I had the money, Tony, I, I may well be asking you if I can do some kind of payment plan because that's a lovely, lovely looking machine. By the way, if anyone is interested in this, uh, this Indian from Tony, you can get in touch with me, dob.bs at outlook.com. And Tony, if you're happy for me to do it, I'll pass on your details. I move on. Last week, I was talking about how, how BMW is an excellent used purchase, how they're reliable bikes and secondhand, well, secondhand parts, how the, the parts availability for even old models is readily available. 
And while a lot of people agreed with me, there are plenty of people who don't. So in the interest of fairness, let me read out a few differing opinions on BMWs. And as always, thank you for sharing these. I begin from Paul. Freddie, the spare parts sucking up for all BMWs is just not true. My mates, 2006 BMW F650GS requires a new left-hand switch cluster. Not available block capitals anywhere. He's now sourced a clean used one from the US at very nearly the same price as a used one when it was available. A shocking state of affairs for an automotive giant with a reputation that BMW enjoys and perpetrates constantly. Paul. Another from Alan. Block capitals, all of this first sentence, I would just love to know the figure the GS owner has spent over those last years. That's last week's episode. 18-year-old BMW GS owned, I think, almost from new by the owner who had travelled 55,000 miles on it. That's in reference to that. I've had a BMW for a few weeks and it was not or is not a lemon. In fact, it's a great looking bike, but I would never buy another. The running cost is stupid and the making of the bike is, let's say, less than you would expect from a so-called expensive, sorry, very, very expensive brand. It's all hype, nothing more, nothing less. My Honda VFR 750 has cost me, has not cost me, a penny over the years and travelled many, many miles with no issue at all. The Beamer has now let me down three times. Make of that what you will, but in my humble opinion, the Indian bikes are just as good, but with half the running costs. I move on to David. Hi, Freddie. Not quite agreeing with you with regards to getting any parts for any BMW. A friend of mine has a faulty ECU and can't get one for love nor money. BMW also said they've stopped manufacturing them and are no longer available. The bike in question, 2009 K1200 GT. I move on to Danny. Unfortunately, if you look at the reliability stats, see if I've got this. If you look at the reliability stats, BMW is right down the long list along with KTM. Food for thought. Right, bikepicks.com. Let's have a look. Top 10, top 10 most reliable bike brands, not models. Can you guess what number one is? This is for 20, I believe 2022. It's, it's so boring. Number one, Honda, of course. Number two, can you guess? Yep, you're probably right. It's Japanese. Yamaha, number three, Kawasaki, number four, Suzuki. Is there any coincidence here that the top four biking brands for reliability, all Japanese, and they're all Japanese by such a gigantic margin with regards to are you likely to buy again that it's not even a competition. You almost have to factor in Japanese motorcycles and everyone else. So they're the top four. In this survey, BMW came out number five, but I saw another one where it came at number eight. But let's go with this one. BMW number five, Harley Davidson, closely behind with number six. Number seven, Triumph, number eight, KTM, number nine, Ducati, number 10, Indian. Here's the interesting thing about this. Yes, all of the Japanese stuff is brilliant, but what they've also got here, the average lasting mileage for touring motorcycles. This is how long they last in general. 
Because again, in the interest in fairness, or in the interest of fairness, a lot of BMW owners said that their motorbikes last forever, while a lot also said that their motorbikes break down a lot and it's extremely expensive. But let's have a look at this a bit closer because for the average lasting mileage, the highest average lasting mileage out of the entire top 10 most reliable motorcycles is BMW. The average mileage that a BMW will last is 120,000 miles. Honda, 100,000 miles. Yamaha, 80,000. Kawasaki, 80,000. Let me do one fun one. KTM, average lasting mileage for touring motorbike, 50,000 miles. So what do we know? Yes, the Japanese are most reliable and most people would buy them again. Every single Japanese bike, 80 plus percent of people would buy again. This drops down to Indian motorbikes at 61% would buy again. But what we can see is that BMW is just about acceptably reliable, but if you do fix them and maintain them, they will go on longer than any other motorbike. Fascinating stats there. I move on. Uh, Danny, thank you for that. It's fascinating. Team Fabulous. I'm not so sure BMW are a great long-term bike. My chum runs a motorcycle repair shop and he's inundated with BMW GSs that are just out of warranty, loaded with diff failures, rear seal issues, sensor issues, etc. etc. I honestly believe it's as simple as this, Team Fabulous. And I talk from the experience on a car point of view. My parents have a BMW car and there's always, at least on the last one, they had a couple of things, always isn't fair. But they had, I think, two or three issues with their automatic gearbox in a three-year-old car, two or three. In fact, they had to replace one part of the gearbox in a car that's two to three years old. BMWs are just too complicated. Germans actually, funnily enough, at least in my eyes, they build beautiful quality cars, but electronics, I don't think they do that well. So when they turn a motorbike or a car into a tech fest, the technology, the electronics, they're just not reliable enough. And that will be an issue long term. Look back at all of the old BMWs and people rave about them, they last forever. The problem with the new ones is they're tech fests and the Germans don't do electronics as well as the Japanese, unfortunately. So it'll be interesting to see how this new range of ever more electronically reliant bikes copes as years go on. Will BMW stock all of these little electronic elements to the bikes year after year after year? Because the catalogue for all of these parts is going to be infinitely bigger than it was for 1980s bikes. I move on. In fact, in a similar vein, let me wrap up the electric chat here because it's hugely divisive. Some people enjoy listening to chat about electric and some have zero interest. Okay, let me start off with something interesting here. I had a chat this morning. Two fairly big people within the motoring industry this morning. And the reason I won't say who it is is because I don't want to, I don't want to put anyone on the spot and, and push people down an avenue who are working for a certain brand and get them in trouble. So bear with me on this. And we were chatting about electrification. 
electrifying motorbikes and electric bikes and where we see the future. Both of them, both of them said electric motorbikes, the technology just isn't there at all. And at least in the foreseeable future, there is no real concrete hope that electric bikes are going to be the answer for saving the planet. And even as a viable mode of transport, there is no real hope that electric motorbikes will work. The reason for this, the range is just too small and it's not progressing at the speed it needs to. And the weight needed for the batteries to get these bikes to an acceptable range would just mean that the bike is so heavy, you may as well just build a car. So from my point of view, after having a chat, and it was my point of view before, there's no close hope of any electric motorbikes being available to the mass market. Nothing at all. Massimo from Italy mentioned that he has a, or he had a brand new Royal Enfield Classic, a Continental 650 GT. And he was riding around Italy and a lady in an EV car stopped him and said, get that disgusting chugging motorbike that's destroying our planet off the road. She had no idea that this Continental GT650 is a brand new bike and very probably will use far less energy and far less harmful to the planet than the EV car. I think the problem a lot of the time is hypocrisy. People preaching about one thing but not willing to accept that any element of what they're doing could possibly be wrong because they're in an EV car. I wanted to give a bit of a rounded discussion on this. So I've tried to be as, uh, as 360 with people's opinions as possible. So just listen to the final four or five to wrap this up. This comes from Dave in Australia. Freddie, I think you need to be careful about drawing too many conclusions from VW's decision. Tesla are doing just fine and sales are increasing. Model Y is the world's best-selling car. VW just made some bad decisions with electric cars. Also, battery ranges are improving, but it is incremental. This from Mark. Freddie, the carbon footprint that BMW 1200GS from last week with 55,000 miles on the clock that you previewed or previewed has in the total of its manufacture and 18 year life, a lower carbon footprint than just the manufacture of the battery cell for a new EV. Keeping what we have for longer must surely be the way forward. It would mark. But the problem is with that, the government relies on the economy turning round. So the government, the government wants to save, to, to improve air quality. Let's say that they do genuinely want that, but they also must have consumerism. People constantly buying all the time. It suits the government perfectly well to replace your car for another EV, another EV every two to three years, because they need the car industry to succeed. They need us to keep on spending. It doesn't suit the government one bit for us to buy a motorbike and keep that bike for 20 years and the same with a car. It just doesn't work. The economy wouldn't work. They constantly need a churn. They constantly need us to be spending to keep the wheels moving. But I agree. That's undisputable. You're absolutely right. The best thing to do, buy a vehicle, hold on to the vehicle for your entire life. And new vehicles are so good now. They have been for 20 years. You can keep a vehicle 
for your whole life and the chances are it will outlast you. I move on to Iron K, an electrical engineer here. Electric or EVs don't and never will make any sense. Fun fact is that the first quarter of 2023, apologies, I haven't fact checked this yet, so I have to just rely on this, but Iron K, this is fascinating. Fun fact, first quarter of 2023, Harley Davidson sold worldwide 64 live wires. Those are Harley Davidson's own figures. And I'll wrap it up here with Alan. Uh, I am on my third electric car in a row. I'm so sick of hearing this rubbish over and over. Please loan, a, please loan an electric car for a month and then talk with some real knowledge. I do 30,000 miles a year with no problems. Come on. That's Alan saying, come on, not me replying. Thank you, Alan. Thank you all. Brilliant discussion on that. I've got two more points here for this week. The first is just so beautifully written and just sums up the joy of biking so much. This is from Eladio in Spain. Hi, Freddie. I know you like traveling through my country and I hope this serves you as an inspiration for a future trip and discover another beautiful place. As I revved up my Yamaha Dragstar 650, and I'll put pictures up here as I discuss it. As I revved up my Yamaha Dragstar 650cc, I embarked on a thrilling adventure through the enchanting region of La Mancha, tracing the footsteps of the legendary Don Quixote, with burning wind in my face and the spirit of the novel fueling my passion, I set out to explore the timeless landscapes that inspired Miguel de Cervantes' masterpiece. The arid plains stretched out before me, mirroring the vastness of Don... Let me get the pronunciation right. The vastness of Don Quixote's imagination. As I rode past fields of golden wheat, I couldn't help but imagine the valiant knight charging into battle against imaginary giants. My faithful Yamaha became my trusty steed, carrying me through picturesque villages and vineyards. I marveled at the rustic beauty of whitewashed houses and cobbled stone streets, imagining the characters of the novel come to life. Every twist and turn of the road unraveled a new chapter, each village a hidden gem waiting to be discovered. I relished the flavours of traditional manchego cheese, the characterful wine, and savoured the refreshing gazpacho, embracing the region's rich culinary heritage. And as the sun set on my adventure, I couldn't help but feel a deep connection to the spirit of Don Quixote. Uh, spirit of Don Quixote. Apologies. La Mancha had cast its spell on me merging fiction and reality into a journey of self-discovery and explanation. Is this not the freedom and sense of life that we all seek through our common passion? My Yamaha Dragstar has been more than just a bike. It's been my loyal companion, propelling me through the pages of history. This unforgettable ride through La Mancha, inspired by the timeless tales of Gon Quixote. I will get that right one day, will forever hold a special place in my heart, reminding me of the power of literature and the joy of the open road that we all share. Regards, Keek, Eladio. 
apologies for my butchering of that name, but that is just so, so beautifully written. I had to read that out. You, you write, as a Spanish gentleman, infinitely better than I could ever write. Let me get on to the final point here. Bike of the week. I, I wasn't going to mention this bike, actually, but I had so many people mentioning this that I had to bring it up. It's the Suzuki V-Strom, but not the one I mentioned last week. It's the Suzuki V-Strom 650 that so many people seem to be raving about. Let me read out three opinions on this, and then I'll get to one that I found. This is from Tenere Traveller. Freddie, a new 650 V-Strom can be bought for £8,000. Uh, to many, it's better than the 1050. Same comfortable size, 300 mile tank range, much more manageable. I've just bought my second one. My first did 40,000 miles effortless, effortlessly, mainly two up around Europe. I'm 60 years old, five foot nine, 12 stone, easy to manage. The new 800 looks great, but it's much more expensive. Reliability should be a given, should be a given, it's Japanese. On to Voltate 684. Well, if you buy a BMW, oh, this is BMW and Suzuki. Freddie, if you buy a BMW, you need to sharpen your spannering skills as paying for it is obscene. Also, you won't survive without valve adjustments. I've had a BMW R1100R and an 1150 Boxster air-cooled. They were not without problems and I would not dare to ride to Morocco. However, I would on my Jap bikes, especially the newer V-Strom 650. Seriously, all the bike you could ever need and lovely and comfortable for Monica. And finally from Timothy, I bought a Suzuki V-Strom 650 nine years ago for five grand. It's done 65,000 miles, been round the world, two up and only needed service parts. That is just phenomenal. It's just a testament to Japanese quality. Round the world two times and only needed service parts. Nothing's ever failed. So my costs over the years, uh, it's just cost me very little. Let's have a look at this. There have been, of course, a number of iterations of the V-Stroms. But if I just have a look at the 2011 onwards model. I'm on MCN here. MCN rating, 5 out of 5. Owner's rating, four and a half out of five. Highlights, tried and tested, 650cc V-twin engine. Economical option to middleweight adventure tourer, softer suspension, handles UK roads well. 68 horsepower and 214 kilos. Let's see what I can find for a bike that can travel the world. Okay. I found one on Autotrader and you will not have any difficulty finding these. It purely will come down to here, which model do you go for? The pre-2011 model, the 2011 model, or the one afterwards, which came a few years later. In essence, they just keep on making them with slight updates. I found one here that I thought was exceptionally good value. Autotrader right now, as of the 18th of July, £3,000 for 2016 V-Strom, all in black. I want to look at it and tell you, this is a stunning bike, but it's not. It's a perfectly okay looking bike, but a stunner it isn't. I think I'd class this as, I'd class it as a, 
an honest workhorse of a bike. But because of that, it's got a very definite charm to it. This is a bike that will not let you down, will cost you pennies to look after, and will do everything. Whether you want to go two up touring, whether you want to do the commute, cross the world, it'll do everything. And with 70 horsepower, it's the perfect amount that can cope with any situation. This one here, have a listen. This 650cc ABS V-Strom is the perfect fit for your next adventure. Part service history, clean bodywork, tire condition, excellent. Black, one owner, credit card accepted, delivery and part exchange available. I want to make your dreams come true. Fantastic. Three grand for a bike that's that capable. I don't know if there's much that would top that as a good solid all-rounder. Put panniers on the side of it and you're ready to go on any adventure you wish. And with 70 horsepower, it'll keep up with anything in the real world. And it does have a lovely stripped back, simple look to it. And I'll end it there. Thank you so much everyone for watching this week's episode. Thank you so much to Excel Moto for sponsoring the episode. Have a brilliant week all. Speak to you all in the next one.